Hello and welcome to the Hero IndyCar Podcast. Kirby and Justin. Kirby, how are you? Doing well, Justin. How about yourself? Well, I'm eager to hear your thoughts on the qualifying since you were there in the flesh. I was there Sunday. You know, terrific uh, day weather-wise. I think that resulted in a, a really big crowd. I read today there were 30,000 people there. Cars put on a good show, kept everybody on the edge of their seats. What's your opinion of the qualifying format, given the realities of uh, 33 qualifiers, et cetera? It's fine. I think it created a nice show. Think of ways to spice up the show more. I don't mean with cars on the track, but just other other things to entertain the fans while they're out there in between session one and session two, in between practice and the first round of qualifying and all that kind of thing. You know, Even if they do have bumping next year, I think they could still stick with this format for the, the pole shootout, whatever they want to call it. You know, it's interesting. For one is I, I watched the entire thing on Peacock, which I'm just finding myself just going to Peacock instead of even bothering with traditional broadcast. It's just becoming so much easier to watch it on on Peacock. Well, so, I mean, what, what's different besides there being no commercials? I found it. I find it useful, you know, or, you know, I got to go, you know, do something. So I pause it and come back to it. Now, I know you can do that with your regular television stuff, but I don't have to think about recording it. I don't have to think about I mean, I have to think about the device. I can watch it on my phone. I can watch it on my computer. I can watch it on my TV at home. You know, and I, I realize, look, we're like a couple of dinosaurs just discovering streaming, right? You know, I mean, that's what we sound like here. Right. But I guess where things were a little different is you couldn't get like this live content on Peacock previously. Now this year you can watch the races this way and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's just fantastic. When I'm at work last week and I turn it on Peacock on my computer and all of a sudden I'm not very productive anymore <laughs> once, I, well, that's, I once, mean, I, once I flip it on. Well, that's why uh, these millennials can't do anything. No, that's true. <laughs> they're, too busy, they're too busy on Peacock. Kerba, um, we got talking about Peacock. I lost my train of thought. But, oh, how did it look on Peacock? I, I'm, I'm, it's not genius, but it was pretty close. I mean, to they they managed to create a drama – even in a situation where there was no bumping. Hello? Talking to me? No. Hello? Here is China Exit Entry Administration. You have a new message. No idea what that's about. So anyways, back to uh, all things. Uh, yeah, so yeah, you're, so I, you're, you're all for the three runs in this situation. In this situation, it did create drama. It was it was good. I mean, I almost prefer it to the bumping. Our old buddy Robin Miller used to lament that uh, they kept making these bonsai runs for only a hundred thousand dollars, which is the same as it was thirty years ago or something like that. So if if IndyCar can continue its you know slow rise, and if hopefully they can get some more money into the qualifying, and let's talk uh, about the slow rise curve. Some things going on. You know, uh, Penske bought some more land around the speedway. You know, you had a, a really good crowd on Sunday. I don't know about you, Kurt, but just a general higher level of interest in the 500 this year than we've seen in quite a while. How much of this do you think is just a little bit of byproduct uh, offshoot of uh, the interest in Drive to Survive? Well, I, I'm reluctant to give Drive to Survive any credit for uh, uh, improvements in the uh, IndyCar's stature or the 500. You know, the, the ticket sales for the 500 are supposed to be above any race except for the 100th running Um in the last, you know, 20 years or something, you know, I think you still have a lot of credits from the COVID year where uh, people, you know, nobody could attend in 20 and last year only 135,000 could attend. And so there's still people living off their credits from two years ago. 
And I thought maybe that contributed to the strong ticket sales, but that doesn't have anything to do with uh, the turnout for practice and qualifying this week. And so, uh, and so there does seem to be a genuine continued resurgence uh, for the 500 for sure. And, and I think the, the series has been doing pretty well this year as well. So dare we say that IndyCar is actually doing something right uh, <laughs> in, in building their own market and their own uh, uh, fan base. I don't know what Drive to Survive would have to do with it other than it's motor racing. I, I, I can't help but feeling we are getting a little bit of benefit, a little bit of a bump out of the interest in DTS because I can't put it down to anything else. I don't feel like there's anything IndyCar's done on a marketing <laughs> standpoint or anything else accounts for this. You know, 2022 is the first year that, that since COVID started that people really just are saying the hell with it. Let's get out there and get back to life. I think there's some amount of, of uh, pent up pressure for that. And I, I think I give that a little bit of credit. Can't argue that. I was, as you know, Curve, I was never one to kind of hunker down during the COVID period. So I, it's hard, it's difficult for me on a personal level to relate to that. But I accept that as a possible explanation as well. You weren't, you weren't allowed to go back to these races in big numbers in previous years. You know, Barber last year was... 50% capacity. The race was less than 50% capacity. The 500 was less than 50% capacity. And backing up that view is like that the TV ratings aren't through the roof by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think it matches the improvements, uh, you know, event attendance. Curb, I um, meant to start the show much as we started the last show, which was with a tweet from Emma Dixon. Oh, okay. Great. Please, can we chill out calling drivers who are over 35 veterans all the time? They are drivers. Did Mario and AJ, when they were driving in their 50s, have to listen to the same weird lingo? Hell, yes, they did. I think so, too. (laughs) (laughs) I think so, too. Keep them coming, Emma. We've we've got to – this helps our content for the show. That's all I can say. I think I pointed out to you that – what was it? Somebody was interviewing Dario, I think, uh, over the weekend, and – and he was referring to the veteran Scott Dixon. <laughs> exactly. I, I think I might have a new idea that's better than Drive to Survive for Less. Okay. And that would be a Real Housewives of Ganassi Racing. <laughs> <laughs> that include the driver know, coaches? I don't, I, I don't know, but including the driver coaches. Yeah. Um, don't know if you noticed um, Marcus Erickson's uh, girlfriend. No, I haven't seen her. Well, I think uh, I think we would both agree that Emma Dixon's been the reigning queen for some time. Sure, without right? a doubt. Without a doubt. All right. So, uh, Queen uh, Emma, uh, she's no, been. I think uh, both. Uh, us, uh, and that's not a pejorative. That's a uh, um, <laughs> a compliment. Meant as a compliment. Yeah, it, it, yes, we mean it from her hearts. No sarcasm there. No, no, we mean it from our hearts. And uh, I gotta tell you. Erickson's girlfriends uh, giving uh, giving even old Ma- uh, bouncy Max Max's girlfriend a run for her money. Well, that would take something. That's uh, good for Marcus. Good for Marcus. Look, uh, if Emma loses her crown, and I think she's going to be reluctant to to give it up, um, but some, at some point she'll have to. Um, right. And if uh, Marcus decides to put a ring on that one, uh, there might be your good candidate right there. It would take quite a bit to to knock Emma Dixon off the off the mountain. Uh, let me just say she's a contender. Curb Penske bought some more land around the speedway. Again, you you being all things in the Indianapolis real estate, you can tell me a little bit about what uh, what this potentially means 
or does it potentially mean anything? But I think uh, maybe in in that we should have a little broader discussion as to like what's the game plan here? They're not really saying what the game plan is. I have my thoughts. What say you? Uh, well, the popular theory is that uh, you know you build a new museum that's more modern and interactive and more of a, a destination. I don't know if a hotel or some sort of resort would go along with that, uh, but I would think it'd be something along those lines. I know you're you're keen on. Um, another avenue there that could certainly be involved. I, the direction I see going, I was interesting. My, my eyebrow became a bit raised the other day when they joined up with Caesars for gambling. I, I mean, it's a natural to me for a casino and probably run by Caesars. You've got the golf course there, throw in the museum. I just feel like that's just the no brainer for that is to put a casino there uh, around the track. And I really do see the future of of motorsports is gambling and being a big component of that. I did hear something about possibly expanding or rebuilding those suites. Uh, you know, that old hotel that was turned into suites there on the exit of turn two, but any more than that, you know, you got to get in tearing up that golf course. And I think after he took over, I, you know, I thought maybe, I thought maybe the golf course or at least nine holes of it might be on the cutting floor, but uh, it sounds like they've kind of recommitted to it. You got all the land on the South side of 16th street. Uh, the parcel you're talking about that was purchased was just, uh, you know, less than an acre. You know, the Speedway's got a clean slate to work with there on the south side of 16th. It's very difficult, and people have tried to make Speedway a destination. The one way you can do that relatively quickly is is throw a casino in there. There's not been a casino in Marion County or in central Indiana. There is a in the legislature, you know, kind of approved casinos for outlying areas in Indiana that whether they'd allow one right in Marion County, I don't know. If anybody can get it done, I'm sure Roger Penske can. Let's exactly. Kurt, we're going to get into uh, now that we'll get into qualifying, uh, maybe a couple more comments about qualifying. Then we'll get into picks for our picks for the race. But before we do that, uh, will you allow me to digress into some, you know, what I would call minor issues? Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Kurt, uh, Steve Letarte, I, I liked him last year. This year I, I, on Peacock, uh, I got a little bit tired of you know his friend Jimmy, constant references to his good friend Jimmy. Would you rather have Rutledge Wood? No. And his friend Dale? No, I would not. All right. Then. So, okay. I rest my case. Uh, next right. topic. Okay. <laughs> he did say something interesting, though, I, and I don't even know if he knew he was saying it. Um but he, he basically said, you know, IndyCar is so pure um, because, you know, there's no bumping and, and random results that NASCAR gives us. And I just <laughs> felt that was – like I said, I don't even think he – I think if he would have been able to put those words back in his mouth, he would have taken it. Uh, he would have done so. But, yeah, it just kind of reinforced kind of what I've been carping on about for a while now. It's just like NASCAR is, is not pure racing in any – it's entertainment. It's nothing else. Right. Um, the other bit of news that came out today was uh, with regard to the aero screen curb. They're lightening the whole thing, so it's going to weigh you know roughly half of what it weigh, uh, weighed before coming in 2024, I believe. That's great. But what it also said to me is that we're going to be in these chassis for a long time. Did it say the same thing to you? Uh, well, I didn't really think of it that way, just because I thought Roger Penske said a short while ago that we're going to be in these chassis for a long time. So uh, I, I think we could be in these chassis till 26, 27, God knows when. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I think that just confirmed it because I, what I 
couldn't figure out about Penske's comments about, you know, these chassis are just crazy. Like, how are you going to solve this kind of weight issue? Because obviously you wouldn't bother talking about producing a lighter air screen and frame if you were going to integrate it into a all new chassis. So, um, mixed mixed feelings about that announcement it's like yeah i'm glad they're they're gonna do something to you know lighten up the load but really st- kind of still wish they would bring out the new chassis along with the new engine at the same time a, a knock on these cars since they were first came along was that their uh the weight distribution was too far to the rear wasn't it i mean the one positive or silver lining uh engineering wise to the aero screen was it did kind of bring the the balance a little bit forward in the car, brought more weight forward in the car. Now you're going to take weight off of the aero screen, which is a good thing. And they're going to add weight to the back of the car with this, uh, curves device. So I'm sure you'll just hear more complaining then when now we've got a heavier back end than ever compared to the, the well, then, car, so. well, then curve the, 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 yeah. that you'll just put the windshield wipers on and then it'll be all <laughs> there you perfect go. again. There you go. I mean, you know, really, that's more important than the weight anywhere is to deal with this water problem that rears its ugly head every five years or something when they have a rain race, because uh, that's far more important than than dealing with the weight issue. According to they. Yes, according to they. <laughs> and that also, was and that uh, as uh, opposite of the uh, Emma Dixon comments, that was heavy sarcasm. It wasn't obvious. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I also uh, noticed that they uh, somehow managed to turn a great qualifying uh, day into a, reg- a, a day of regret. I was there, and, you know, I couldn't help but think myself, if only Beth Peretta and Simeno DeSilvestre were here to take on Scott Dixon and really give him a run for his for money, the it, would have been, the it would have been a far more uh, you know emotional and, and uh, pressure-packed afternoon. <laughs> Sadly, we had to settle for Alex Pillow and Takuma Masada. Yeah. I'm sure it kept him, or sorry, I'm sure it kept they up all night regretting that <laughs> right. Simona wasn't there to challenge Scott for the poll. Wow. And no That's knock on Simona, but uh, just no. that, whole pa- that whole package wasn't anywhere near uh, the Fast 9 last year. That's for sure. Jeez. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> the very thought that, like, Will Power was barely in it and that somehow Simona <laughs> would have been <laughs> in it is just... It's comical stuff. Another guy who doesn't like the aero screen, uh, at least uh, came out and said he didn't, was uh, Mr. Uh, Fernando Alonso. That's just, uh, you know, taking all the desire out of IndyCar racing for him, it looks like. And, yeah, uh, I thought that was probably a little bit disingenuous uh, of a you comment. Think so? but you think so? Yeah. yeah, I do. When Alonso came in 17 was the first time, and uh, those cars had the aero packages on them from the the, the – the engine manufacturers. So he goes to the Andretti team, who was the strongest team at the time. And Rossi himself says, anybody could drive those cars. There's so much downforce. On them. So he's a great driver and I'm sure he would have picked up anyway, but comes back a couple of years later and those uh, aero packages are long gone and they've gone to this low downforce package and a lot harder to pick up on a one-off than the 17 car was. Agreed. Curb, are you as tired as I am? And, and and I've never really understood the whole prank thing in IndyCar, <laughs> right? The the amount of time and, and effort that, that people are dedicating to this and in both the broadcasts and on Twitter and the and social media and all that. It's just, it's just driving me crazy. It just seems really stupid. You can't get away from it. They have uh, the four four-time winners 
uh, you know, a special on that. And they, they're even asking during that, like, what kind of pranks did you guys do? I'm really tired of it. If I see um, Connor Daly's hot tub one more time, I'm going to throw up. I'm, I'm going to throw up. Literally I'm, throw up. Yeah, I mean, by look, the I, way, uh, you know, three four time winners and uh, one uh, three and a half. <laughs> I can understand why the drivers may want to have fun playing pranks or sitting in that in that uh, infield uh, parking lot for two weeks or whatever uh, and have time to kill and doesn't need to dominate as much of the media's attention as it does. Yeah, I, I think NBC is like playing it up because they think it's part of what I've been preaching all along is like you got to humanize these guys, you know, get people to like them and so forth. But I, I, it just seems so stupid and it's cheap and free and easy, right, to throw all this stuff on social media and see what sticks to the wall and gets people's attention. Yeah, but I mean, like, how is like turning over Colton Hurst's, you know, golf cart like clever? You know, what I mean, it's not. Cle- there's no cleverness in any of this, you know, or very little. And I, no. just, I don't. I just, if that's what they're going for, I don't think they're hitting the mark personally. Kerb, um, we we've gone through qualifying. Um, we're less than a week away from the big event. You and I will be there in person. Yep. And um, I think it's time to make some picks. I, I think because it's a special race, we'll we'll go a little deeper than our usual six and go to maybe the ten. Oh, good. Any overarching themes you want to comment on from the qualifying and first week of practice, Kerb? Yeah, coming into the 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 month of May as it is these days, um, everybody felt like Chevrolet might have the upper hand, right? And uh, not really proving itself out uh, so far in practice and qualifying. So might have to rethink that a little bit. Obviously, Ganassi's looked amazingly strong and um, didn't see anything today to, to make me feel any differently uh, while I was out there. You know, Ganassi's where it's at. If they don't outthink themselves again, one of those one of those five cars has got to have a good chance of winning, don't they? Well, I think so. But, uh, you know, you've pointed out more than once of their smugness getting in the way. It does, but... Uh, I think Dixon's on record this year as screw fuel saving. I'm going to the lead and I'm leading the damn race. And forget all the damn strategies that are uh, caught us out the last couple of years. So. Well, dear listeners, I would I would caution you. And, uh, I'm, I've been doing this a while now, and Curve has too. We're, we're as good as we're as close to experts as you're going to get, <laughs> and certainly better than Steve Latart. You got to be careful putting too much emphasis on where somebody qualified for this race. I, I, I think that's that can be dangerous. Um, well, because the, you, the engines are tuned differently, et cetera, et cetera. So I think like any kind of if Honda had a slight advantage, that's probably not going to exist during the race. You know, Dixon says he wants to lead the race, but his engineer is going to be telling him to follow so he can save fuel, make the race run tame the first 100, 150 laps or so. Uh, but there's going to be everybody back in the back. You know, there's a lot of big names in the back of the field. And so there's going to be a lot of urgency from a lot of cars to get themselves up into the top 10 and in a position uh, so late in the race, they can try to do something. I can tell you from today, those packs of cars or those long lines of cars, they would string out. Um, I'm afraid, you know, we're going to have a warmer race than last year. And, you know, I've talked a little bit about, you know, how the cars seem to have a harder time passing in the warmer weather. So it's going to be interesting to see what prevails, uh, driver's urgency or the conditions uh, preventing them from, from acting on that urgency. I, I pray that you're as accurate as you were with your last weather prediction because <laughs> yeah, I don't want the heat. I, I agree. All right, Curb, who's uh, who's up? Who's up first? I think you are. Uh, I'm going to start out with, and, and, and I apologize, but it's just you just got to, 
so I'll talk a little bit about my methodology here uh, when it comes to the 500. And I look for people who have just not had have just been consistent and without drama, you know, all through through every practice session, qualifying somewhat secondary. But I'm just looking for somebody who's kind of just been really strong, quiet and just seems to be able to focus on what they want to focus on. In this case, that also happens to be the guy who got pole and that's Scott Dixon. All right. So Dixon, it is. It's hard to argue with that. You know, Sato did seem to be able to one-up him at the end of every day during the week, but uh, certainly not on pole day. So I can't be any more original than you can because uh, it seemed like the guy right behind Dixon every step of the way has been Palau. And uh, and so I'm going to take Palau. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yes. The team, the whole team seems to be just hitting it right. They're going to have, you know, a lot of other cars out on the racetrack to help them out should they need it. Uh, Palau was, you know, obviously right in there last year so it's it's hard to argue against that one so i'm gonna might surprise you a little bit harry curb with mm-hmm. my next choice but i'm gonna take tk for you gamblers out there tony kinea might be a good place to put your money certainly got the experience uh the one risk here i think is he's got the uh the team thrown together for him for race day right he doesn't have a uh an everyday indie pit crew that may be one one bit of danger for him though I can tell you that a lot of teams, including the Ganassi teams, were practicing uh, pit stops very hard today. Last, and you know, probably from a betting standpoint, similar similar ballpark. I'm sticking with Ganassi. Go with Marcus Erickson. Okay. Again, uh, yeah, I, I like him, and also probably a little bit longer odds. I think any of those four, the first four guys we named, I mean, they're they're all top top picks. Pretty strongly about all four of those. You know, things happen. Things happen in this race. This is probably more my heart than my brain speaking curve, but I'm going to take willpower. Well, I would certainly love to have him on my team from a heart standpoint, so I can't fault you there. Maybe I've been consistently the best uh, Penske car all week, but uh, certainly showed up on uh, qualifying day. He's got the Zen um, attitude going this year. Maybe they'll take him back to the front. He just seems to, to you know, like he, you know, he even after qualifying, he knew he was going to make fast six. Just like, yeah, that's all we had. You know, just he's he's got the new the new attitude. I think, it. you know, again, this race, that's going to serve him well. It certainly has the ability, but uh, I'll be pulling for him, even though he's on your team. Uh, Still still one of my favorites. Um, And I'm going to go. This is a little bit of hard. I still take a fair amount of decent analysis, but Sato has been up there every day. And um, I can tell you today he ran a lot of laps and he seemed to be the most aggressive at at uh, making passes during practice today. So get Sato on my side before you snatch him. Uh, and that was wise because he was my next pick, I would say. I think Sato, again, probably going to be longer odds, maybe the best longer odds pick of the, any of these guys um, yeah. that I'm, I'm going through the list here. I I, uh, I like him for a long odds pick. I had a very, very consistent week, you know, and uh, I like that. I like that. Okay. Um putting my back against the wall curb here i I, i'm gonna have to go uh joseph newgarden i think well he certainly got his first stroke of luck for the month um having the rain come in and saving him from from a face somewhere scotty mclaughlin so yeah so there you go i can't uh another guy i'll be rooting for um one of those you're kind of like in golf right the the best uh, in the field without a major uh, the best uh one of the best drivers out there, certainly the best driver out there, I would say, that hasn't won the 500 yet. So um, he's due. 
uh, had trouble here. I'd say the last handful of years, really, uh, he and his team executing and uh, pulling it off. But uh, certainly could be there this year. Can't fault you there. I'm going to stick with Chevy and go back up to the more obvious picks, though. And I'm going to shoot Ed Carpenter. Uh, not my heart, but uh, just my analysis saying that he's got a pretty good shot. Yeah, I think your heart's in there somewhere. No, I really didn't. I promise. <laughs> but <laughs> I he's just, been good. He's been good here. He's been good this week. If, if it comes down to experience at the end against some of these young guns, he might uh, have what it takes. Look, I agree, but I just can't see Ed winning this thing. Honestly, I just can't. There was a time, but I just, yeah. I just can't. I understand. Even last year when all the other Chevys sucked, the Carpenter cars were up there, at least qualifying wise. Here I was talking about Canon and. Uh, and uh, you know, not not an everyday IndyCar pit crew, and you probably got the same thing here for Ed Carpenter, and that's a lot of pit stops on a 500 mile race. So calamity may befall him, but I'm going to go ahead and throw his name in there. Well, at least that uh, brings me to my last pick, if I'm keeping track properly, Curb. Yeah. To be honest, we've now reached the stage where it's hard. I, I see three or four guys that I probably would like to pick next, um, but they're all about the same. They they they're they're different dogs with different fleas, but Take your time. Take your time. Well, I'm pretty no sure rush. I know who you're going to pick next. Okay. Very hard. But I'm going to do it. I'm, again, this is uh, its not the heart speaking. This is just cold analysis. Scotty M. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because you're tied up all the Team Penske. Exactly. <laughs> That's why I had to. I had to go for that. I just felt like go. that was the only, only thing that I had to do there. Uh, but hey, he's been sharp the first uh, third of the season, and uh, I think he had a good race going last year until he had that problem in the pit. So, uh, could be a sleeper. I'm, I'm all for you there. So now I'm stuck with the pressure of avoiding who you're predicting. I'm going to pick, but. Um, I think my head says I should uh, go back up near the top and, and get Pat Award. No. Oh, so, okay. That was not my who I thought. Uh, I'll say again, not not going with my heart, just my head on that one. So. Yeah, I, 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 it's, it's hard for me to pick Aaron McLaren right now in the 500. Right. I don't disagree, but he was there at the end last year. Every race I imagine he gets more mature, and you know his head's in a better place now that he has a contract. True. So. Well, this uh, is a race where experience counts. This will be his third, so maybe second. It might, it might just be a second. Yeah. Um, you know, you going down. You know, you got New Garden would be in row five, uh, row six, Pagano, Connor Daly, row seven, Alexander Rossi, Graham Rahal, row eight. Well, it's interesting that none of us picked an Andretti car. Well, why would you? I, I, they've given us no reason at this point. I mean, Grosjean makes the is the one car to make the best twelve, or, and um, and I was at the, at the uh, practice today, and I was here. They they were only allowing people to sit on the inside behind the pit lane. I went all the way to the south end of the stands, right at the entrance to turn one, and there's kind of a a viewing platform there at the top of the um, stairway. And 
there's a fellow, there was a fellow standing there that's kind of a veteran indie car commentator and I uh, recognize him and introduce myself and I'm chatting with him. And I mentioned that I was a little bit nervous for Jimmy Johnson every time I saw him go through turn one. And, um, he said, well, the guy that makes me nervous is Romain Grosjean. And I said, well, I can't argue with you there for, I said, Grosjean makes me nervous for the other drivers. Um, and on cue, they come around there and Grosjean and, and Kellett have their get together and sends Kellett into the wall. <laughs> so, um, so with that experience, it's pretty hard for me to even go with Grosjean, even though he's in the fast 12. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it, it was a little fluky that he was there, honestly. Um, I'm not, I mean, he was just early in the piece and that helped him right a lot. Sure. Yeah. That, that made a big difference. It'll be interesting. I mean, I think it's going to be a great race. Uh, a lot of, a lot of names, as you said, that we didn't even pick even in the top 10. So we have almost a third of the field and we've left out people like, uh, Castro Nevis and Rossi and Ray Hall and Colton Herta. I mean, look at row nine. It's Herta, McLaughlin, Castro Nevis. Yeah. I mean, so. it's just. It's a lot of names in there, which also make you know gambling on this race particularly difficult, I think. Hopefully, uh, these picks have given some people some insight, some feeling for that, and they can make a lot of money. All right, picking somebody else. But, yes. Cross your 10 <laughs> off your list. <laughs> 2022 champion, Alexander Rossi. There you go. The topics to the show tonight. Uh, anything else on your list? No. No? All right. Um, you want to talk about Emma Dixon some more? <laughs> we haven't talked about Danica forever. <laughs> I guess we yeah. can talk about her. She's is she going to be on the telecast this year? I think so. I think I heard that. Um, I'm sure, she'll bring some penetrating insights to the program. Um, at least uh, you know Paul Tracy won't be there to get himself in trouble talking about her high heels this year. <laughs> so um, should be a, should be a fun race. I hope I hope. Uh, Hope they're able to, to make their passes and, and have some action on track. I'm afraid, though, that it's going to be a hot, slippery track, and these guys are going to be working hard to make their way forward, and you may have a few more yellow flags than last year. Can you still not buy beer on Sunday in uh, Indiana? You can buy beer on Sunday after 12 noon. So that's a change from where it was. Yes, yes, that has changed. It doesn't really help for the race because 12 noon is too late. Right, although you can buy beer in the track all day long. Of course, all day long, but you can't just like go to uh, the liquor store and do that. All right, well, nope. that's something to remember for Saturday then, isn't it? Stock up on Saturday and get there early on Sunday and start drinking from dawn and uh, make it a great day. Curb, looking forward to seeing you. Looking forward to getting together and, and experiencing the greatest spectacle in racing. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. All right, have a good week, everybody. Have a good holiday.